Hi, this is Joel Blankstock, and you're listening to the Taproot Therapy Collective podcast. Today, we are talking to Martin Gledhill, who's working on his PhD, and also a book about Carl Jung's personal project and vacation home, Bollingen Tower. Uh, Bollingen Tower is on Lake Zurich, and Jung viewed it in a lot of ways as the culmination of his life's work. Um, Mr. Gledhill is here to talk to us about that. We connected uh, via Zoom while I was on vacation, so bear that in mind. There's places where the connection is a little choppy, and this interview is also available on YouTube if you want to go to the gettherapybirmingham.com YouTube page. So without further ado, I will roll that now. That boy needs therapy. Lie down on the couch. I'm here with Martin Gladhill, who is a, an academic who researches Jung architecture and is going to talk about Jung's house in uh, Bollingen, um, his, which is kind of a personal project and uh, culminated in the intersection of a whole lot of his lifelong projects and passions. Um, I guess if you want to just kind of start and go over some of your work about Bollingen, I know the listeners will be fascinated. Um, it's not a topic a ton of people know a lot about. So, I mean, you're probably in the minority in the world there. Yeah, well, that, that, that'd be good. Um, I mean, it's a kind of um, bizarre passion that I've got. I suppose I've always, I'm, I'm a trained architect. So, um, you know, I've always thought that architecture, you know, really could be a bit more meaningful. And then maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, I, I started going into therapy, partly because I wasn't very good at relationships. And, uh, and, um, and I suppose, you know, the, these two threads, for me have sort of come together so actually i made a massive decision to give up my work uh give up while i was teaching at university and um just embark on this project um so it's been running for about seven years and i mean i suppose the kind of backdrop is that i think um therapeutic practice pr probably could involve place more you know place seems to be sort mm -hmm. of um absent from the discussion, you know, even in the therapy room, and perhaps I hope that's not offensive or difficult to anyone. Anyway, no, I mean, do you find that um, in dream work they, they make room for place in the sense that you're describing, or do you mean another way that place could intersect with therapy? Well, I suppose in dream work it it, it can be sort of um, amplified more, but I think the the role of what you might call psychic place, a sense of belonging, or you know the presence of where we live particularly obviously it's very very um potent in a home less so in uh bigger places and maybe more so or most so in in um, religious uh, environments but i think matter if you put it in terms of matter i think it's kind of um slightly pushed out from the kind of therapeutic dialogue particularly in analytical psychology mm -hmm. in my experience i mean obviously that might, might be slightly contentious um so I think why Jung's really interesting is that he begins that journey, doesn't he, through alchemy, you know, an engagement with matter. And Marie von Franz sort of carries the torch, literally. Um, but if you think about it, you know, it's quite rare for a psychologist to conceive their family home, Kushnacht, and to well, not exactly build Bollingen, but certainly to begin to build Bollingen and then in effect, he, he's operating as an architect in, in, in two places. 
So um, over to you. Final question at me, Joel, whilst I catch my... No, I, I think that that's a great intro. I mean, it was uh, an attempt to kind of build something with all of the different tools that Jung had found over his life. I mean, I think he kind of was really hungry for a unified theory of everything almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the inside of the mind, you know, he wasn't yeah. as he wasn't as existentially concerned. It was phenomenological. What is going on inside of me and, and other people that I see and that they feel and that I feel. And a lot of that um, intersected with Bollingen, but it's not very well understood. And you saying that the gateway to alchemy is kind of the bridge between the matter and the mind because you're working on things of the mind through metaphors of matter and science. That, that's a great intro. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I think it's kind of the unfinished work of um, analytical psychology which to, to a degree Marie von Franz um you know sort of picked up on um but I suppose you know coming at the tower from a different angle I mean I have to say that the Jung family have been absolutely wonderful in um their generosity of talking to me about it and you know it it's quite difficult to get into the tower and it, I mean it's a private home so you know mm. jumping over it so the um Privacy and probity of, of the family, I think, have, you know, need to be respected, and certainly they respect uh, Jung's legacy. Just why a lot of it is is kind of inaccessible in all senses of the word. You can't photograph the inside at all, even if you're allowed in. Correct? Is that is that right? Well, you can go into the. I've been there four times now, and you can go downstairs, but there's a real sense of. Um, the above, if you like. The, the uh, tower has murals and things that people haven't seen. On, say again, is that sorry. correct? The tower has like murals and things that people haven't seen. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And there are, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, I would suggest probably I'm only aware of maybe, I don't know, maybe 25, 30% of it. And I absolutely respect that uh, legacy. I mean, really, the, the young family. Well, when Jung died, he wanted the tower to be left kind of as it was. So, you know, I've had some really amusing moments where I arrived one day and the Philemon stone was uh, providing a very good picnic table, uh, <laughs> you know, for a Jungian. Oh my, you know, this kind mm -hmm. of sacred stone, uh, which, you know, there, there was no disrespect. It was, it's just a working, living retreat for the heirs of, of the family. So, sort of coming at it from a different angle, I think the account in Memories, Dreams and Reflections is, is incomplete, I think I, I would say. And because, you know, people like Sano Samdrasani have done a lot of work on um, working out which bits were written by who, no, no disrespect to uh, any of the FA. But I think it's incomplete at times a little bit inaccurate you know it's been tidied up basically and well i so, mean there's there's chapters of it that the family never wanted published yeah, um, yeah. so it is it is objectively incomplete right i mean yeah, yeah. things that are not in it yeah but even i mean you know so it's incomplete in two ways a there's missing chapters so you know for example um you know the, the memory of tony wolf um you know there's this i think alan elms called it was it was Elms or some called it the artification um, but I suppose what I'm interested in is that the chapter itself, chapter eight, the tower, is not really about the tower. If you think about it, it's only about three pages talk about the tower. Then it goes off into um, ancestors and um, 
you know, sort of much wider issues. And that's kind of fine. But you think, well, the biography of the tower, in a sense, I think needs to be written. Mm -hmm. The biography of Bollingen Tower. Yeah. I mean, actually, that idea came from um, Jost Herney, who is Jung's um, great grandson. And I, I, I was, sounds a bit posy this, but I was chatting to him in the Lopia, and he just said, Oh, I, I want to write the biography of the tower. Well, what I think he meant was the biography of the people who visited the tower. Mm -hmm. And I, I the family has Jungian, you know, interested people kind of disturbing their privacy all the time from what I've, I've just seen accounts where people wander up to it and they say, okay, you know, you can come yeah. in, you can see part of it. And, you know, yeah. they're gracious. Yeah, but they it, are. it is, people yeah. are peeping at it all the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a very nice way of putting it, Joel, the, 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 the um, grace. Um, I mean, one on one occasion, I, a mate of mine were rowing up to the tower because I wanted to photograph it from the uh, the lake, from Lake Zurich. And these people were waving at us and, and we thought they were basically waving for us to go away. But then we realised they were actually waving for us to, to, to come ashore. So we kind of landed and they were, you know, incredibly hospitable, but with... Uh, um, a containment in equal measure you know it, it wasn't mm. just a sort of open house so so you know i think the story of the tower is interesting to tell in the context of place psychic place i think MD, mdr is incomplete and actually you know in, in the young family there are six architects his uncle was an architect his cousin was an architect his son his son-in-law his uh, grandson andreas and his great-grandson daniel so there's this kind of um i owe this information to andreas his um grandson you know there's this kind of architectural thread um which in some senses is linked to our archaeology you know that Jung was interested in archaeology and wanted to be an archaeologist so it's a kind of reverse archaeology isn't it yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, then sort of digging it's down. building the thing to be discovered by the future instead of discovering the thing you know that left by the past yeah yeah so you know it's absolutely fascinating and at the moment i'm probably about ninety-two thousand words and I, I just keep on you know if you think back to the formative places you know laufen uh ryan falls uh klein hunnigan you know in all of these places are clues to the tower you know his walking fantasy when he walks along the Rhine, uh, when he sees the big ship coming along and constructs a kind of well-fortified castle. He's basically constructing place all the time. The attic, the mannequin in the attic. Um, but what it what seems to happen in M MDR is that these places are sort of backgrounded. You know what comes to the foreground are psychological or theological, philosophical kind of um extrapolations but the place is, is somehow lost and i suppose that's what i feel my job if you like is to do is to follow his tracks if you like mm -hmm. <laughs> which means going to switzerland a lot <laughs> so, sure um so over to you joe to fire up. well and uh, maybe um <clears throat> Some people have a familiarity with you, but maybe don't know a lot about Bollingen. I mean, you can't tell the the whole story that you're telling in the book, but could you give us kind of a brief history of his relationship with that place? Yeah, well, essentially, at the beginning, at um, 
if you're to believe MDR, Bollingen sort of uh, emerges around 1922-23, just after the, his mother's death. Um, now, he asked his um, son, well, son-in-law to be, um, Walter Nias, who was a very accomplished uh, modern architect, to to sketch out a kind of primitive hut. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as so initially, common. he wanted it to be built in, in like uh, medieval type architecture, right? Is that right? And Emma says, no, it needs to be more contemporary. And he, he changes the style a little bit. Not so much, not as far as, far as I'm aware, but um, I, I think he wanted it to be a very primitive hut. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know single story kind of round dwelling you know you know much like you would find in East Africa that he visits in um, twenty whatever it is twenty five isn't it twenty seven yeah when did he go to South Africa twenty uh, twenty five um, twenty five twenty six um, and so it's immediately adapted and, and acquires another store uh, another floor but actually there is a sort of backstory because he used to sail down uh, Lake Zurich. Um, which takes about maybe half a day, three quarters of a day, depending on the wind, to a place called the Linth Island, which is right at the by Schmerican at the bottom. And he used to camp there with a mate um, uh, who was a psychiatrist, I think. And then after a while, the family used to join him camping and, and he really wanted the tower to be founded or to be built there. So, you know, I think probably Emma said to him well look you know it's kind of fine all this camping carl but you know we kind of need something a bit more permanent <laughs> um you know given that kushnek's quite a luxurious house he was and kind in, of enamored with spaces by water you know yes he was, yeah yeah the the cut the castle that he visited as a young boy uh on lake constance you know sort of cemented that kind of um, mm-hmm. allegiance anyway um the locals weren't too keen on him buying the land um, as, a, as a kind of inverted commas witch doctor. And so mm. his friend said, well, why don't you look around a bit closer? And basically where Bollingen is now um, is about a 20 minute canoe ride. Um, I'm not very fit, so it took me 20 minutes. I might have taken him quarter now by sail. Um, and he landed there one day and a, a young boy called Hans um, greeted him and he said well you know i'm interested in buying this land they became very good friends he became a kind of surrogate son who helped him a lot in the town so the tower you know the first stage gets built and then about four years later uh, the annex what's called the annex or the tower-like annex gets built so it's really a holiday home if i was really honest it's a holiday home first of all but it's not modern there's not electricity no. i mean it's it's no. a primitive you pump your water you cook on a wood burning stove i mean it's very uh very primitive. rustic retreat yeah, rustic. from technology yeah yeah and that still is the case you know that you have to, the, the water is pumped up from the lake there's an external toilet and there's no electricity um so the, the building becomes it starts really as a store, a holiday home or a storehouse. It, beca- it acquires this annex and then it acquires a third phase four years later, which is called the Spiritual Tower, which only Jung had a key to and was a very closed and um, I imagine to be a very... It was his private study and the family wasn't able to go in. Yeah, so in a way he's he's constantly retreating. You know, he's retreating mm-hmm. from Krishna, he's retreating from his family, he's retreating up. And then um, four years after that, 
although there's i think this is inaccurate the, the what's called the lozier and the courtyard are added but i think those are actually two separate phases when you look at the um you know the joints in stone and you know various kind of and he said he cut the stones for the tower not the whole house but the tower himself where he had some interaction with it is that right well i i've got pictures of i, I reckon that he and his son france who's who's an architect and uh walter Nias and a couple maybe hands as well probably lift um built the stone walls up to about maybe a meter because you can see a change in style after that mm -hmm. now the walls are about an, at least a meter thick so to build that on your own with no artisanal skill is a big ask so mm -hmm. i think they, they kind of just gave well they didn't give up but they just became realistic and they hired some italian builders to to build it um so it starts to be in effect built by others and if you think about it during this time young is away a lot he's in africa he's in uh, um, america um later on he's in india you know she's really traveling he's really going to going so you know who's the author of the tower in, in a way yeah um and then eventually in um uh, in the uh, in the 50 in the early 50s um he adds a, a third story or that's sometimes known as the fifth episode which actually is i think is designed by his son france mm -hmm. uh, and that's a much more open space um you know the most of the other spaces are very chthonic very enclosed very mysterious um and as you've indicated quite medieval so it's basically got these five stages um you might argue that the filament stone is a kind of sixth stage or a you know a four plus can you tell us about the film and stone which is maybe like the not the capstone but the end stone it's the last yeah. piece that he makes yeah as kind of an well, ending well the quarry that su supplied the, well there were a series of quarries in bollingen and um the story goes that the quarry that supplied were asked to, to supply a cornstone which actually was supposed to be triangular hmm arrived as a cube and the mason said well you need to take it away it's just wrong you know and jung sort of you know the very intuitive man spotted it and and you know it, it immediately in, in a sense recognized it's, it's kind of charge it's psychic charge so it's a cube a cubic stone and you know has a um, links to kind of alchemy and and he he carved it he carved three sides of it so he was really interested in the idea of the quaternity, you know, the three plus one mm -hmm. pattern. So one side is blank, one side has uh, the figure of um, a figure with um, a circle around it, and then like a mandala. Uh, it's kind of a well, it's probably not a mandala. It's more. I can never pronounce it. The telephorus, but you know, the, this kind of figure, um, in the in the middle, and um, various other uh, Latin and Greek phrases. But the kind of Christian resonance is, is interesting because the, the, the kind of discarded stone, you know, the unwanted stone is a kind of trope for Christ. Um, mm. You know, it's kind of the builder rejected is, is an idea yeah. that spoke to Jung when the builder is rejecting the stone. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's outside the, the curtilage of the tower. Um, during the winter, they put a little sort of copper cap on it. And this is actually where there was a picnic table, you know, the, the you know it's kind of wonderful and you know jung is often pictured sitting by it and he, he argues in um, mdr that um 
all his work was encapsulated in that stone. Mm. Everything he had to say was in that stone. So it's a very precious and for some sacred uh, object. And then he carved other elements of the tower. He carved um, a bear, which um, has been associated with Russia, but could equally be associated with St. Minrad, who um, cult belongs to that area. Um, Pegasus, uh, there's the tomb to his um, the, the engraving to his wife. So it's it's a very tattooed building externally. Mm -hmm. So it's it it's he a kind of, to use it almost as a diary or yeah, a journal. Yeah, that's a really lovely idea, uh, Joel. It's it's a kind of um, it's a diary. It's a memory aid. It, it it's a body. It's um, it's kind of not really a building in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, it is a building, but it's uh, much more. You know. Obviously, I'm slightly addicted to it, so I perhaps read in things into it. But it has a very definite sense of place. Um, and the, these um, engravings and paintings and just the whole, the darkness of it is very, very alluring. It is, you know, literally dark. Um, it's something you can't see inside of either because you can't get inside or because it's lit by candles and lamps. It's a castle. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the annex bit, the second phase is, is a bit more open because it had a big uh, sort of barn door, which is slightly subsumed in the third phase. Um, but it's sort of dark as you, as you've alluded to in, in all senses, you know, this kind mm -hmm. of, and really my own work has been going through all the different biographies and pulling out, little memories that people have to, to in order mm -hmm. to get to sort of piece together the missing bits if you like so it's a sort of a big detective story um well and i know samu um sam shadani and, and james hillman in the lament for the dead book one of the things that they talk about is that jung is retreating into the highest part of the tower which is like the most personal spot for him where no one is allowed in not even the mistress tony wolver's wife emma as much you know maybe they see it but it's his space mm -hmm. and at the same time, he's he's grieving that he's not understood by the world. So he's retreating inward, but also grieving and, and sad that he is not understood by more people or can't bring his internal vision out in a way. And him spending time in that internal vision of the, the top of the tower helps him clarify it and rarefy it and process it so that he can bring out a a revelation to, to people so that not just he can have the experience internal, but a lot of the Jungian ethics, his personal ethics was that you can retreat into the unconscious, you can retreat into the self, but you need to bring something back for other people. You need to bring something back that is not just for you, but for everyone. Yeah. And, and I think one of the biggest arguments in that book is that what he brings out of it is that it's not just that we have the obligation to go past the unlived life of the parent and to go past, you know, where our parents didn't quite um, figure, finish their lives and selves. But we have the responsibility to go past the unlived life of all of the dead in human culture, all the things that humanity has not dealt with, all the things that humanity has not done yet, and that we need to find a way to transcend, you know, our animal nature. We need to find a way to transcend um, our bias and our, our not just personal shadow, but our cultural and, and human shadow. And that, that's kind of their argument, I think, in Moment for the Dead is that that's what he is saying with the Red Book. Um, and, yeah. and a lot of it, that is is made while he's look, contemplating the murals in that tower and painting them. 
Yeah, no, that's very well put, Joel. That, that I think that the, in fact, Shantasani argues that really that the tower, and I agree with him, the tower is a continuation of the Red Book. Yeah. You know, it's a three dimensional. And the tower, the Red Book is brought out of the tower in a certain way. Even if he's not working on it there, he's spending the formative time in the self there and then bringing it out. That's yeah. the relic, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, if you look at quite a lot of the pictures in the uh, the Red Book, I mean, particularly the, the Mandala one of the fort, um the uh, he's well there's actually one uh, i can't remember the chapter i think it's chapter two um th there's a there's an element called the castle by the lake which actually i think the date of that is 1913 mm -hmm. it's pretty well a vision of the tower as mm -hmm. in you know like 50, you know 20 30 40 years later so I think it's a kind of ongoing, you know, it almost transcends time that there's, there's this kind of slippage between the imagery mm -hmm. of the, the Red Book and the um, uh, the tower itself. Um, so um, I was going to say something else, and it's just gone out of my mind. Um, yeah, oh, no, the, the, yeah, it's, I mean, really what's called the spiritual tower, which is the, let's call it the third phase, um, 1931. I think has quite a lot of link to Ravenna, his trip to Ravenna. Um, but I think that is his inward place, you know, the, the most mm -hmm. connected inward place. The fifth mm -hmm. episode at the top is much more transparent and it has a timber frame, so it's kind of open to the lake. So you've got this kind of delicious, um, it's not really a dualism because it sort of transcends it. You know, there's this kind of closed mm -hmm. openness in equal measure. I mean, as you said earlier on, that I think his um, his disenchantment with the world, mm -hmm. you know, he puts it in terms of like Merlin, he had to retreat to a tower in the in the wood, in, you know, because the world was too damn stupid to sort of mm -hmm. understand. Um, I think it is a kind of well, Gigrich has been very critical of that that kind of renouncing of the world, you know. Mm -hmm. the, equals it sort of um, psycho Disneyland, which is pretty harsh, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and he's not alone, you know, like people like Rilke, Rainer Maria Rilke, or the um, the Irish poet Yeats, they all mm -hmm. retreat powers. So there is a kind of post-war pattern. Uh, well, and I think too, Jung, uh, one of the things David Tacey pointed out uh, we, on our last interview was that like Jung borrows a lot of uh, ideas from Hinduism. And one of the images is that relationship between Brahman and Atman, that the self and God are, have a relationship and mm. are, are through religion merged together. Mm. Um, but, or, or ritual or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, liminal space. Mm. But I think another one that doesn't get as much, uh, it's not talked about as much that he takes from Hinduism is that there's the idea of Dharma and Moksha in Hinduism, that you have to have a world renunciation giving up your belongings, wandering and, and retreating from the world into the woods, that is part of spirituality. But so is the world sustaining, having children, raising a family, giving to the poor, contributing to society, using your intellect. That also uh, is the way that you, is a responsibility of the religious person. So the relationship between those, and in the Hindu tradition, there's a lot of, some people say, well, you do this at the beginning of your life, and at the end, you go into the woods, or well, you do this and then you take the realization and you bring it back into life. And, you know, they try and, because these are opposites, but the tension of those opposites is something yeah. that was interesting to Jung. 
and I kind of see some of that in Bollingen that he's retreating yeah. into the himself at the same time that he's trying to, to formulate something to bring out of himself. Yeah. I don't know if that makes well, sense. No, absolutely. I think there's two things that come to mind when you talk about that. The first inverts the story. Just it becomes a businessman, doesn't it? And then um, returns, you know, the, that, that story. But more potently, I think uh, Bruder Klaus, the Swiss uh, mystic, who um, Mark Twain was quite playfully um, playful about because he, he was a, a, a saint who had a wife and 10 kids. And, and then when he was 50, he just kind of left home. So, you know, the, and actually Jung talks about Brother Klaus quite a lot as that balancing of, you know, in effect, family life and, and the, the solitary mm -hmm. life. Um, it's kind of inevitable that it splits, isn't it, in the way Kushnak mm -hmm. and um, Bollingen. Um, well, and he's writing a red book in the evenings, you know, while he's seeing patients and spending time with his children and family with what he says as an anchor. His family and his children were an anchor that saved him from psychosis while he was exploring a psychotic yeah. episode. Essentially. Yeah, I, th I suppose what we should remember, though, that, that actually, um, and I don't mean this with any cynicism, that, that, that mm -hmm. Bollinger is a holiday home and actually a lot of photographs you know the, the kids mm -hmm. are playing he's sitting by the, the <laughs> lake you know playing with the water so you know it isn't that there's this kind of culling of family life well, it's not a know. church it's not a, it's not supposed to be it's a, it's a it's a retreat for a family yeah and you know i suppose that's why he has to find a retreat within a retreat if you like which was your point yeah so, you know they're kind of going up i mean i guess i mean he used to put up a yellow flag to, uh, partly for his neighbor to to re, in effect repel their children because they would come round and <laughs> knock and the yellow flag meant you know no you know i'm writing <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, you know, um, i didn't know that yeah yeah so there's the, the these signals um and i think you know the enclosure that that includes the loggia really he describes as uh, i felt felt a need for a piece of fenced in land but really he probably got fed up with people like me coming along the lake saying oh there's Carl Jung." <laughs> And his wife Emma. <laughs> so, and he spent time in Bollingen with Einstein too, drinking red wine and talking about physics, and ultimately coming up with the theory of synchronicity, didn't he? Yeah, well, was it Einstein's Pauli, wasn't it? I think Wolfgang Pauli. Oh, I thought uh, I thought Einstein was. I, I don't know. I know Pauli and Einstein. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't mean to. Con I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure, but I don't know what kind of wine Pauli liked. I, I know him and uh, Jung and Einstein shared a passion for red. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think uh, Wolfgang Paul Pauli, because he has a really interesting double character. I think he probably liked any wine, I should think. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, Bollinger has used, you know, it's, I think we could call it a spiritual place or a, a sacred place. And his um, encounters with Victor White um, and, the, you know, the, the controversy and the construction of uh, Answer to Job have a lot uh, to do with the tower. And, and rather sadly, when they kind of fall out um when they meet after that jung only invites victor white to kushnacht he doesn't you know mm -hmm. he's kind of lost his rights if you like to, mm -hmm. to, to, so um in a, in a sense the tower is slightly politicized in, mm -hmm. in a logical sense um but yeah you know i mean the other interesting thing to think about is the way that it becomes a tower because it's not a tower mm -hmm. not a tower and if you go back through the letters, um, 
early on he talks about as my country seat my little place in the country and then mm -hmm. a couple of years later it becomes the tower the, uh, my tower with a little t and then it becomes the tower mm -hmm. <laughs> so but it's an internal space that's being brought up there it's not as much of a physical change yeah i mean he yeah. does build a tower but yeah, yeah. when you so, see it you see a house you don't really it doesn't look register as a tower yeah true i mean yeah there are tower like elements i mean they say the spiritual tower is you know it's quite slender and um, elongated but the the first tower is is quite stumpy but it doesn't matter because but what i find interesting is that it it, it starts to breed its own symbol if you like mm -hmm. yeah um and you know he he would declare in mdr that you know he he wanted to sort of constellate or solidify uh, concrete his um ideas in form and you know there's this kind of logical move to architecture i think that's kind of true in a way but i think it it's, it's sort of a, a narrative that's slightly constructed i mean i don't mean any disrespect to you but mm -hmm. i love the man but i i think it it's an ordinary place that becomes extraordinary, you know, rather mm -hmm. than beginning as an extraordinary mm -hmm. place. But, you know, you can't. That's an interesting perspective. I mean, so I guess there are like two questions. One, you know, what do you have any idea or any speculation what is in the tower? You know, what's up there that no one has seen? Or, and two, you know, Carl Jung's a guy who sees all these patterns in life, religion, self and starts to inventory them, you know, do you see patterns in Bollingen of have a sense of what he's doing? Is there quaternity symbolism or some kind of symbolic mm. element that you feel like you've noticed that no one has seen yet? Um, I'm not sure if I'm the only person to notice it, but I, I think um, I'm just going to read something actually, which I've got on the screen, um, which might help. This is a letter to uh, a guy called Peter de Brandt written in 1959 and this the, is a student of architecture who writes to him about sort of archetypal patterns in architecture and his response broadly is the circle and the square are connected with the idea of shelter and protection place of the hearth concentration of the family and the small animals and on a higher level with the mm -hmm. symbol of the quatura circuli i don't know if i pronounced that correctly as the dwelling place of the inner man the abode of gods mm -hmm. so i think in more direct answer to your question, I think the circle and the square mm. oscillate mm. and then sort of constellate into this mm. triangle. So it's a kind of um, it's a sort of essay in psychogeometry, but then the, you get these kind of um, intermediate spaces mm. that can't can't be geometrized, if that's a word. So you, mm. it's, it, it's kind of geometric and not in equal measure but you do see the geometry kind of talking to it you see his visual thought process there that's fascinating yeah and i think you know the the, the role of franz jung his son is 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 very underestimated there's a really lovely book that's just come out um which i'll mention to, i can't find it but anyway it's um it's called about france and it's by an american woman so you should be able to get it in your your country that talks about her visit or, or part of it talks about her visit to the tower with franz jung who probably was involved with almost all of it and so he could mm. unpack some of the kind of narrative 
and some of the complexity of, of complicated geometry is sort of crashing into each other. Mm. So I think in answer to your question, I think there's uh, the circle and the square mm-hmm. very evident. If And we can trace that back to the painting that he looks at in the rectory in Klein Hunnigan. It's a painting called the David with the Head of Goliath by Guido Reni, mm. which has um, David leaning on a circular column with the head of Goliath on a square column. And he's absolutely transfixed by this in the dark, mm. in the dark sequestered room. And I think in his youth, attics, towers, chapels, squares, circles, gather, mm. you know, in a way I'm probably seeing that into it, but I think they gather around him, castles, he draws castles. Mm-hmm. The architecture so, in the Red Book has a lot of, you know, circle above a town, above a tower, above, yeah. you know, thing. Yeah, and the the um, the fort that is drawn in the Red Book actually is a is a fort that pretty well existed during Jung's time. Time it was destroyed with the by the in the Treaty of Paris, but mm. its ramparts existed, and it it's not not an exact. It's not exactly like the the, the picture in the Red Book. But he reconstructs it in his mind as this kind of star fort. So I think he's looking, you might say unconsciously in his formative years and consciously when he goes to um, the stupas of India and the uh, the council house, the council, it's um, called the council um, building in Fatipasipri in India. He's, he's searching out sacred geometry. But in his youth, mm-hmm. it, it's more, it's sort of, it's not so much in the background, but it's more unconscious, I suppose, you would say. Well, can you clarify uh, sacred geometry just a little bit for people who may not be as uh, aware of uh, Western esoteria? Yeah. Well, I mean, quickly put, I think that, um, you know, if we go back to that that quote from Jung to the, to the student, that the, the essence essence i suppose uh is contained the essence of man and the essence of god as a kind of mystical union is contained mm-hmm. in um pure geometry you know it's a kind of absolute it's almost platonic isn't it it's a kind of absolute um so you know there are different permutations of that because then you go into sort of polygons and hexagons i mean for example mm-hmm. the uh, most baptistries are octagonal, mm-hmm. the eight, you know, seven plus one, you know, the rebirth. And I believe, well, Hannah, Barbara Hannah, says that the spiritual tower, you know, which you can't go into, it has eight facets inside. I don't think it's octagonal, but I think it has eight uh, facets. So, you know, that's a deliberate move. The mm-hmm. Um, the font when you go into the tower where he pumps water is eight sided. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's these these kind of. You see him playing with space and geometry to convey meaning and math to a certain extent to convey meaning. Yeah, I do. And then every so often, either he's away or you know the kind of inverse is sort of entredramatic, isn't it? You know the, the inverse of the, the kind of mm-hmm. awkward kind of asymmetric things have to adjust to the next sort of chapter of the geometry. So it's it's a really mm-hmm. um, complex and non-dualistic um, mm. 
array, really, which I, I find fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and so any idea what's at the top of the tower, what the private rooms in Bollingen are? Do you have any speculation or heard any well, rumors? I think I found one picture of the um, the, the fifth episode, which um, interestingly is is a kind of a concession to ha habitability because it's got, I believe, a, a coal fire and so they used to hoist up coal because you know Jung was you know 80 you know around that time or, mm -hmm. you know so you know it wasn't really viable to move wood or to heat it and the picture looks as though it's certainly in part lined with timber and very much looks out over the lake and um i find it quite moving because he talks about the other bollingen mm -hmm. after death and the, the, this kind of um, hmm. aspect to the beyond. It was a liminal space for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah, a, a transition between, in effect, life and death. And one um, biographer, I've forgotten his name, um, remembers seeing Jung sat in the spiritual tower, which is the next floor down on the second floor, absolutely absorbed in his work, you know, in this other world. Um, so, so it's kind of a gateway to top of yeah, the tower. Yeah, yeah. And then you know he talks about the mountains and the you know the majesty of the lake that, that you know as you say he wants to live by water and the majesty of the mountains and the beyond, which ironically is is where the stone came from for the tower. You know the, the, the quarries on the other side of the lake or one of them. So it's evocative and, and and in a sense the closure of the first tower and the super closure of the third tower open and you know it's a yeah. kind of diastole isn't it really if they open and close with these other elements and it's hard sometimes to fit all the elements of architecture into a conversation but you you see the space kind of having a conversation but it's hard to articulate it because it's a visual language it's not a cognitive you know um language uh, a word-based language but it sounds like you have a real sense of what he's doing there and how he saw it, you know, after spending the time you've spent there. Yeah. Well, I suppose the other thing we can draw into our conversation is the house dream, 1909, when he's coming back with, from Freud from America. You know, I think a lot of the tower, I don't think the tower is a replica of the dream, but it has elements of the dream in it. Mm. And I think what's interesting about that is that it's kind of um, palimpsest structure, you know, that one thing laying on top of another when he discovers the body of the um uh, the the soldier he it, it, it gives the seller prior to that it, I, mean, I mean it's not literally a seller but you know he's got this kind of subterranean space if you think of the dream um and you know i think the well i've written a whole chapter on that the the, the relationship of the dream as a kind of um guide if you like to the tower without it being a you know the building is a dream you know it's not mm. so that's another aspect <laughs> well is there anything that we don't get to that you feel like is important about knowledge I and mean, those are kind of the questions that i had I, I don't know a ton about it other than just what comes up in memories dreams reflections and other people's writing uh, about you anything that you feel like is important we haven't hit on yeah well i think what is important is is to this isn't the best answer but I'll, I'll start with it is is to to trace it deeper 
into his psychic and physical history. Mm -hmm. I, I think it, it, Bollinger's configured as this kind of last chapter, if you like, of his work. I, I think it's much more almost circumnavigably, you know, you know that it, it, it it's this it grows as he grows. Yeah, and and I think I, I have a sense. I, I'm not been entirely been able to constellate this is that he in a sense the building is designing itself it has a kind of architectural unconscious if you know. he was listening to the place and then helping yeah. it be birthed it wasn't his blueprint yeah. that he was just building yeah yeah and he talks about that because when he writes to christina morgan uh, who also built a tower uh, in america um he says well actually when you start start your building you'll you'll know that it releases all sorts of spirits it doesn't call them spirits but uh, um ghoulies or some, something like that you know so there mm -hmm. is this literally genius factors maybe is that the word pardon factor was that the word no anyway you know it, it, we get yeah. the you know and um uh, uh, and so i think he's listening which is an architectural act but i think it's much more it's much richer than that i think the art the building is leading his ideas responding to his ideas you know if you look mm -hmm. at his diagrams as you trace them through the collective works they become much more three-dimensional mm -hmm. uh, so i think there's this kind of traffic he's paying religious attention to the space and the building absolutely yeah and then a, sec a second point is the kind of legacy of the tower so marie van france built a tower uh, well it was designed by um uh, um um France Young, uh, Young's um, son, and um, I'm very grateful to uh, Gotti, who lives there, um, who shared with me the drawings, which are beautiful drawings of this tower. So her tower becomes the kind of perfect tower in commas, because it's this quadrate. You know, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to evolve; it's just this fixed thing. And Christina Morgan's tower is this very slender, circular thing. So the circle and the square come back, yeah, you know, in this kind of legacy. I mean, I, I just think they're all fascinating. And I suppose, you know, I think Marie von Franz got a bit fed up with Jung saying, well, you know, your tower needs to be like, this is my tower, you know, just to, <laughs> you know, get out of it, sort of thing. Um, mm. But I think that the main point to, to, to answer your um, your lead is, is that it's the reciprocity. It's a reciprocity between place psyche ideas it's a kind of psychic place you know and um and i suppose it's not a singular ambition it, it's about the voice of the natural world the lake lapping in those who visit tony wolf tony wolf's role must have been enormous in the tower franz jung's you know the builders you know so this idea of this kind of solitary figure with this solitary kind of symbol of the, the, is reductive i think mm -hmm. but, um, well yeah that's a living it's a living symbol for sure mm. so any, so. any speculation on on things that are there that hasn't haven't been seen or any rumor or you do you like the mystery of, of the, you know there it's not ever fully open or known I like the mystery. Uh, initially, I was going to ask the maybe what the young family, and maybe one day I'll be brave enough to do this to, to say, could I measure 
the whole of this building do a drawing of the whole of the building i would so be like a blueprint of it i don't think there are blueprints because i think i've tried to track some of them would have had building some estimates would have had building permits but there was a fire in the saint garland archive and i hmm. I, I i don't know if they were in there but i i, I think I, I have the sense that they don't exist or don't, don't exist now and but then more recently maybe this is post justified i just think in fact um great grandson daniel said to me well it means different things to different pe people i think it, it has to just be universal and it's well not universal in a way you know it, it's very sort of personal as well as being universal so i'm kind of fine with the mystery but well, that's part that's nice well you know it, it's kind of um every time i go i see something else and you know obviously you know you're just one slightly in conversation with people and you're trying to be polite and respectful and you can't take photographs but out of the side if you are you notice something and you know it's always giving it's always um coming alive um, and it's still used it's not a museum i mean it's it's still used as he intended left almost as is by the family for a holiday house sometimes they're on holiday there and sometimes it's empty yeah and i mean i think that it would be a great shame if it i think Jung would not be pleased if it became a, a museum you mm. know obviously that's happened to freud's um Vienna home and actually the London home as well, um, which is fine. So it's not to decry people who've gone down that route. But I think, um, I mean, the way it was explained to me is that it would be difficult to pe show people around because the stairs are so narrow. But I think that's really a kind of, <laughs> you know, sort of batting away the problem. This is a home for, yeah. the, for the young family the young forever, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so should it be, you know. Yes. Yeah. But um, but you know that said, as you've observed, that they're very accommodating. In um, you know, if you knock at the door, um, you know, which I think is incredible. Most of us wouldn't do that, wouldn't they? Would we? We'd say, mm -hmm. especially you know, with the same amount of people who come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they try and organise things when people come at the same time. But of course, for me, I always wanted just a personal conversation. You know, just. To, you know, please, 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 you know, um, <laughs> um, tell me something that is, um, will feed my passion, if you like. <laughs> well, is there anything that we can point people to who want to find more about your work or pre-order your book or, or go to a website? I mean, where can we direct them, people that are interested in what you've, what you've said here? Well, I'd be happy for you to share my email. Um, um, should i read that out or or, or um... you can or i i can also put it in the in the podcast notes the show yeah, notes yeah. if you want yeah that. um because the the, the moment my, i'm hoping that my phd will be um well at least written uh by perhaps january february and then i'm really hoping it becomes a book so in answer to the question about a book that's uh waiting um I do sometimes lectures I've done have been recorded and I'd happily do a lecture for someone if you know that because obviously a lot of this is quite visual and mm -hmm. so um if we needed to um illustrate things more I could do that um but the, a, a person that would be I know that you approached Lucy first Lucy Huskinson mm -hmm. um 
my supervisor um writes a lot on it so i think th th there's this everything pardon uh nietzsche like she yeah, yeah. does a lot of Nietzsche in architecture also yeah right? yeah she in fact she's in the process of um uh, finishing a book on that so her book um the architecture of the mimetic self uh mm. i think is an important very very important book and then obviously i'm biased but i i do feel that and then claire uh, claire marcus cooper wrote a really beautiful paper called house symbol of self mm. um which is available comparatively easy as, as a pdf so those and then more recently thomas barry has written about architecture in this sense but it, in terms of the tower itself i'm hoping that's my job because it would um put a hole in the, in the side of the ship if, if someone else was yeah <laughs> um, but of course it would always come from a different perspective and be different so i, I think we have to probably wait um I don't know, six months or something. But I've got well, so hopefully, my... you know, twenty twenty three. The book will be uh, the book will be for sale. So um, well, definitely be... Google, and I'll, I'll share your email address too if people want a personalized talk or, or presentation yeah. for I mean, an organization. Be... Sorry, um, Joel, to interrupt. What would be um, lovely about the 1920, uh, 18, no, 2023 is it would be a hundred years after mm. the tower. So that's my <laughs> that's my kind of um aim but it's I, I it's a glorious obsession that i've been up in dramatic i've sort of given up everything to do mm. so uh, i think the story or a story needs to be told about it um which is you know, really why we're talking isn't it um but you know it's, well martin your passion is beautiful i really appreciate you sharing that um with Thank everybody you. and um you know i uh will definitely get link to your email address and then uh i hope to to read your book one day so good yeah, luck. and i thank you joel for the opportunity i mean obviously what helps is is to be able to succinctly summarize what one's doing so i, I want to thank you for the opportunity um sure. and who, who knows you know um i think we need you know it's an ecological argument really isn't it? if you really zoomed up how do we belong to ourselves and to place you know mm. that's really what we're talking about mm. Mm. so but thank you yeah of course and i uh, thank you thank you so much for your time